Hello folks, this is Rico, and this is a special midweek edition of Treks in Sci-Fi for March the 7th, 2012. This will be podcast 374, and coming up here on this special midweek edition of Treks in Sci-Fi, Rico interviews Star Trek author and producer and writer and and, and just all about around Star Trek fan and, and a great guy that we uh, talked over Skype last weekend, Larry Nemechek. And that interview is coming up, and it's more of a discussion than really an interview. And Larry's got some new projects, a film project that he's working on, and a couple other things that we talk about over about an hour-long period. And I think all of you are going to really enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and here comes the show. Welcome to the podcast Treks in Sci-Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness. With Rico Dosti, our special guests. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise, Enterprise, Enterprise. It's continuing mission. Make it so. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Trex in Sci-Fi, of course. And with me today, I have a special guest. We have, uh, I guess, author, researcher, producer, Trek <laughs> fan, Larry Nemechek. Is that Maybe correct? Is that is that the way? Did I say that right? That's it. That's right, Rico. All right, Larry. I Hearing you once again say all that, I was just thinking maybe we should come up with a new phrase, Trek of all trades or something. Trek of all trades. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I, I'm kind of a I, – I, I like to consider myself a, you know, a sci-fi fan of all trades, like all kinds of sci-fi. But welcome to uh, Treks in Sci-Fi, Larry. I, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is my, my first time over, I think. So yeah, is, yeah. And what I thought to, to start us off with, Larry's got a few things that he wants to bring up and, and mention uh, that he's working on and involved in here on uh, the, um, you know, I guess both sites online and movies and things. So uh, I'll let him take over right now and tell you, everyone listening, a little bit about himself. I know he's he's had his hands in Star Trek for a very long time, and he's written some books that some of you have probably got on your shelves. And, uh, well, I'll let him take over. So, Larry, go ahead and uh, give us the, you know, what do they say, the, 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 the three-minute, uh, you know... <laughs> All about you. All about Larry. Oh, okay. The anchor. <laughs> yes, my son. I'll give you the lifelong. No. Um, yeah. No. I had a coach that calls this the ankle show or whatever. But yeah. No. I. Uh, <laughs> I've been a lifelong fan, or at least I, I was a rerun baby, and um, uh, I'll say since junior high, high school, and you know I've done everything from be a fan and collect the books and uh, used to do conventions. I'm originally from Oklahoma and moved out to California 15 years ago. A couple of years into working on my Next Generation Companion book, the official book from from Pocket on Next Generation, um, 
And I have a background in news, and I have a background in theater and, and degrees and all that, and uh, a lot of what I've done is kind of combine both of them. So I, you know, I've got a journalistic background and love history and all that, so that kind of made it perfect for Star Trek. And my whole take in Trek, I've always you know, loved the shows and the characters and the stories, but I've all, always been a background fan. And we were talking about background before anybody was talking about the word canon, except that I thought um, I was one of like 10 people in the country, and if it wasn't for things like Interstat and some of the – I'm really dating myself here, by the way. No, it's okay. Pre, it's all right. I, pre, I do it all the time. Pre-internet, yeah. Um, you know, it was – it used to think that all the women were talking about characters and stories and there'd be like 10 guys uh, – you know, guys, not to genderize too much, but uh, talking about, well, why don't we have more Tellarites and Andorians in the movies? I mean, those kind of things. Yes, so, yes. You know, so um, anyway, the internet's been great. Now there's, I know there's thousands of people doing what I've done for for ages or hundreds. But the thing that I guess really got me going was when um, uh, there's a thing called the Star Trek maps that came out around the time of the first movie. Yeah, yeah, I've got I that. Had, yeah, yeah. Well, there, you, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go down the long story. People have heard this before, but I uh, got the tech manual, the medical reference, and got hooked up with Jeff Mandel and the New York Mafia of Trek guys, I call them, that were doing the poster book and all those books, pre-pocket book, and um, had worked on my own star charts that organized all the original series, Stars and Planets, and did my own according to the tech manual. And Tried then, to make it all work somehow, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. The real science and the story points and all that, and I did, and that was going to be published, and then the Star Trek maps came along suddenly, uh, and some of my stuff got used for that, but not the scale. And um, lost track of Jeff, and didn't get all the things I was promised. Not not due to him, but due to higher up the food chain. And it was it was a great introduction to the way New York and Hollywood work, the way big business works. Sometimes you get you know crushed in the wheels. So <laughs> I I went back and got a life, thank you, and went to grad school and worked in news. And when the Next Generation came out, it was the era of desktop publishing, you know, and laser printing was first out and I said, okay, I'm going to jump in and control this myself, and not have other people control it. And I did a, and I did a. Basically, it was a zine, but it was a very nice published zine, uh, locally printed. And then Starland in Denver picked them up and printed them. And I just called them my TNG series, TNG one, two, three. That was season by season concordance and episode guide the way I wanted it done. Now, were you uh, at all ever in contact with B. Joe for the the concordance during any of that? Uh, no, I mean I'd written you know I'd written her a letter back when it came out and said, "Do I love this and can I'll buy one?" That kind of thing. But yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. But I paid her homage in in the first one, first right. couple. And um, along the way, what I didn't realize was happening was I made contact with uh, you know Richard Arnold and some of them cons and the right. What it, what I didn't realize was the nature of the writing room in in a TV, which is once it gets go at least pre-internet, once it gets going, you've got very little time for caretaking, and caretaking kind of gets handed off to whatever PA is standing around nearby. So what basically happened was because mine were laser written, laser printed, and looked neat, uh, you know, it wasn't off some pin matrix dot matrix you know printer somewhere um and i was doing a good i was i had my forehead vcr and i was pausing and you know stopping and pausing uh, recording episodes then before you could even get them on vhs so yes, uh, those those were the days right don't let don't <laughs> let it go against you know oh, that talk about dating okay rico <laughs> did you ever record you know pre-tape did you record trek episodes on off cassette your TV? cassette yes. tapes oh yeah yes yep <laughs> looping your 
<laughs> I try, I, I try to put people into context to go, okay, you can, you know, not doing the here's what we did, young man, but yep. it's like here's what we did to keep it alive. Oh, Larry, we not only did that, I recorded, uh, you know, the original series episodes that were being rerun, you know, on like I think weekends, especially in, in the Detroit area, on cassette tapes. I not only did that, but I would like listen to them each night as I was like falling asleep, and we even took and edited little clips of music and sound effects and made our own little stories in other words with a couple tape recorders uh-huh. so yeah and wrote scripts all that stuff yeah back back in the back in the good old days of fandom the golden years you know the go- golden at the same time dark both at the same time <laughs> to a degree to a degree we thought we were the only ones you know in a way so you had to you had to be a tough fan to survive oh days. yeah yep you had to, yep. yeah you had to want it and the big bad Paramount would never help you out. So yeah, that Spock pinch didn't work too good on the bullies on the playground. Really, it didn't. Really. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I never, you know, and I see that in Free Enterprise. I never, I was never in that. It was just kind of like by the time I was in high school and college, we had our. You never had the like, the the when someone had somehow found out that you were a fan of this weird show that that uh, you never took a little grief for that at all. No, you know, in fact, and I guess I've always had a foot in several worlds. When I was in high school, I was in student council, and we were always trying to come up with, you know, so-and-so day, you know, just to be whatever. Mm -hmm. Like a theme or whatever. Yeah, and when I was a junior or senior, I think somewhere along the way, I got through that we had a TV and movie dress-up day just so I could wear my uniform. Ah, okay. And you, so you did actually, you were, you know, you weren't just like sort of a hidden fan. You, at one point you did wear a Star Trek uniform to school. I'm like, I'm saying I had a, I had a cover. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just so happened to have on this, on this TV and movie wear a costume. You just happened to have, you know, this, this, you know, brightly colored tunic and black pants and boots or something to wear. Just, I just happened to have it, but. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, I had, I no, I guess I had. I guess my mom. Fit, you know, it was a, it was a Dr. McCoy tunic. Thank you very much. And it wasn't a token <laughs> Kirk Gold shirt. Well, you kind of have a little bit of a McCoy and, twang, so I could see that working. You know. Yeah. No, I I just always. I mean, I enjoyed the. Sh- I remember my mind evolving at first, loving the show, loving the characters, and the stories. And then the very first poster that was, you know, it was some cheat. You know, it was licensing was like a laugh. I don't know how they, they even did it at the time, but they're, the very first poster you could buy for Star Trek was just a pastiche of, there were like, I don't know, eight or ten pictures on it. And it's, and I go, well, it's all Spock and Kirk and then the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, that kind of pissed me off. And I love Scotty and McCoy too, especially. And so I kind of became like underdog supporters for them. So mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah I, I don't know if it was the Southern connection, both with McCoy or the, just his personality was as much that as anything and McCoy had the best go to hell looks on the show so yeah I always thought McCoy had the you know he would probably be for the for your average just about your average person you know maybe the easiest to sort of identify with because he was always sort of the most sort of human in a way the most yeah, uh, yeah. Of, of the crew you know I don't want my atoms scattered across the galaxy you yeah, know and all that point yeah yeah and um but uh, he was always the one I just thought that I'd be the one, and, and I had that sense about the actor that I that, about D. Kelly that I would he'd be the one that'd be the most fun to sit down and have dinner with, you know, or have a beer with, or whatever. Like oh, that. I definitely, yeah, I, I I can see that for sure. I yeah. I uh, I got to see him at a convention many many years ago, and I, you know, I've seen all of the cast I think a few multiple times over the years at different cons, and 
uh, he always seemed just the most approachable, so much like his character, and just seemed the nicest of the bunch. And I, I don't like to put him too much into categories. And and obviously over the years, some of them have certain reputations. William Shatner, um, but uh, you know, it's. <laughs> It, it, yeah. it, it, you know, and and it, I, it's not like that that that, that is um, bugs me that much in in any way. But the the truth of it is, like, I think D was just signing out at a table some autographs. This was probably in the probably in the eighties, mid eighties or so. Oh, that's all right. I'm 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 kind of an open book on that. And people who have listened to Treks and Sci Fi long enough know have a pretty good feel. I have two kids that are around college age, so it's. There's no hiding age after oh, okay. a certain point. Don't go ahead and tell me your stories, Uncle Rico, because <laughs> I, I was, you know, only five in the 80s, so tell me. So the, uh, <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, anyway, D was there, and he just he just was the nicest guy taking time to talk to people and, and, and no big entourage. So, yeah, I can, I can, uh, I, definitely a big, big DeForest Kelly fan. So, yeah. so anyway, you did a lot of, uh, you oh, know, I, writing yeah, and, and pull, it, pull no, us I, back, uh, and, and then you started to get, um, anyway, to, the, the go ahead. Did with the writers were using it on the show, right? Uh, copying it, and after a while, I had this weird, this weird sensation of, of like fifty people knew my my basically it was a zine back home, and then all the writing staff at Next Generation were using because they had no internal continuity going then. You know, there was no internet, there was no Okuda Encyclopedia out, much less you know Memory Alpha or anything. Right. So if they invented something, some gadget or some weird bit of radiation that cause something back in season two you know and two years later they want to know oh what was that did we use delta rays yet you know and especially since there was a big turn well they didn't know at the time but there was such a big turnover pre and post michael pillar on the third season there was a lot of things that kind of got intentionally or unintentionally forgotten about Mm -hmm. uh you know going for third but anyway they but but i went out and you know tourists visited once or twice and got to do set tours um and and Get, get get introduced as this is Larry Nemechek, a, a fan from Oklahoma, and that was you know, excitement deluxe. And then they'd say he's the guy that does our guide every year, and the assistants would go, "Oh my God, you've saved my ass so many times." <laughs> you know, and it was like this newfound awe, like they just thought this fell from you know manna from heaven once a year or something. So anyway, the good thing was that led to my contract to do the Next Generation Companion. And the first couple oh, in three months, which I will say I've used and referenced many times doing the podcast, even with, even in this day and age of the Internet, uh, there are things that you have many things that you have in there that are not really anywhere else. So well, thank you. Uh, That's what I've tried to tell. And and even with the DVDs and the bonus features coming out, you know, video is, you know, uh, visual is lovely to look at, but it doesn't pack. The and every time, you know, every place sort of tells a little bit of a different story and a different tale. And, you know, some of the stuff that you recorded and, and, and were, you, you got it kind of in the earlier stages. It's like that old tale of telling a story to someone else mm-hmm. and to someone else and to someone else. And eventually it's like, hey, did you realize that, you know, Patrick Stewart really has a full set of hair? You know, he just shaved his head for the show or, you know, crazy things like that. But... Yeah, which is well, and people. and the, the the sad thing is, I got into that five years in, so you know, I was sitting at home watching the shows the first few years, and then the last two, I got to interview everybody fully, and the others. The sad thing, though, really, is that I've got tons and tons of hours of interviews that aren't in the book because it had to be compressed down so much. You know, right, a page each or so per episode, no more, yeah. no less, or something like that, right? But after we moved out, I went ahead and kept that going because my wife got a job working on Voyager when the shows turned over. And we moved in '94, which was the big, you know, the big pivotal turnaround year on 
That was the biggest Star Trek year ever because Next Gen was going off. They were doing the Generations movie. DS9 was gearing up to take over the mantle of se- yep. you know senior show, and Voyager was in secret prep and then was going to start shooting that summer. So yeah, it was, it was like, like Trek mania. It was like the perfect Trek storm around that it time. It was, right? and it was something to walk into. And since I had not been given the red carpet opening, that I had to earn everything I made, even though I was an official licensed author, I had to meet everybody and learn my own way. And that was great for the long run because after the book came out and the shows changed – you know, I had all this great entree to things, and I kept uh, kept interviewing everybody. So I still have, up until the end of Enterprise, you know, years of and a, and a few from JJ's movie, um, uh, yearly you know updates with writers and designers and artists, and and very little of it's been transcribed, much less used in you know writing and articles and things. And um, and so I'm I'm sitting here trying to you know get that archive out, figure out what to do with that, and and share it with more people because there's a ton that. You know, and like you said, it's fresh in the moment. I learned that you get to all the writers, especially when at the end of the year, before they right before they go on their summer hiatus, but at, when they've got no deadline, you know, hanging over their head, they can talk to you. But before they flush their memory, because when they come back in the fall, they they pretty much lose a lot of the detail and start the new year. So, yeah, it's 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 amazing, and it's great that you have that. And I, you know, other people that have you know been involved in some of the, like you mentioned, the Akudas and stuff. I know there's just a vast, you know. I have visions of that, like that scene at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, of all these like crates full of information uh, on Star Trek out there, you know, that's just sitting, waiting, you know, for something. So, yeah. Well, some of it's been lost, but a lot, yeah, literally crates when you got yeah. to the Christmas auction and the and the exactly auctions and yeah. all that. But anyway, but that kind of unleashed. So I edited the Communicator magazine for eight years until we got kind of caught up in the Paramount storm with the Viacom divorce and several things happened and I worked on fact files out of the UK which nobody in the States saw unless you got the the thick Star Trek magazine for four or five years and a lot of my stuff was in that it just didn't have tags and and I've you know I was I create I consulted on the the experience in Las Vegas if anybody ever went to the Vegas when it was going at the Hilton um, oh yeah there's a lot of people that have uh, I actually never made it to it which is kind of a shame at this point you know now that I think about it although I keep hearing rumors it's going to come back or maybe it's not rumors maybe it's a little more real I don't know but uh, well the the they've they had a license with a guy a developer in Vegas who had a space and wanted to get it filled and the city wanted him to have it filled and it was downtown and it, I mean it wasn't rumor they were doing it I think right. he got not in over his head but I think there was more complexity to it than he thought and then plus although for a year or so it didn't make a big difference the crash in 08 kind of dried up a lot of his investors money so right. no they very much want to have something like that part of the thing now is it's like because the, the table for the first one Everybody that had a chair at that, there was so many hands involved <laughs> that it, you know, it was like it was like six nine months over overdue when it even opened finally. I mean, they, you know, they'd been in development for three or four years. Yeah, and you'd go through that again, and now you've got the JJ movies, and on one hand, that's the fresh thing, but on the other hand, we have it's it's you know, it's just trickling in, and what will appeal to tourists, and how much of all the old, and how much of the original, and how much of the JJ verse do you have, you know, represented in the different. Yeah, it's becoming more and more complicated. You know, that's why you know refer to the earlier days sometimes as the golden time because of just it was so simpler time. <laughs> yeah. Just well, I yeah I call it the Viacom divorce. But ever since '05, it wasn't just that Enterprise was canceled, but Viacom split, gave it to CBS. You know, yes. the rearranged family, 
and and the corporate memory, the memory of you know, there's all these new people working. There's no ongoing presence on the lot like you had during the Berman years, where they did TV and movies, and they were there every year because they had to. You know, they were just there every year and took a summer break. There's nothing on at the Paramount lot now for Star Trek except maybe one guy in home entertainment. That's one or two people that you know. Some poor DVDs. lonely guy with with some <laughs> rubber pointy ears on, you know, who's wishing, you know, ah, I wish they could come back, but uh, yeah. A, a so get us the to the 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 big uh, your big project that you're currently working on that you first contacted me yeah. about the 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 well the con of wrath let's the say con, you can say it you can say it yeah <laughs> it's it's so, it's on the internet know, I, it's so not I, a secret I, yeah yeah no it's not a secret now and in fact we're 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 on two fronts we're working so on it. tell yeah. us to the uh, the listeners what is the con of wrath yeah well the last three or four years I've, I've started my blog and got my archives going and uh, still still have my hand in in several things including the current Star Trek magazine but I've been wanting for a long time to do it not just be a word guy and be a production guy because I have a theater background um, I worked on some video pods for Star Trek the tour so I was trying to get my get myself over there mm-hmm. and just serendipitously I don't know we're talking about guys who date ourselves how many people go back um uh, were fans in 82 when the Wrath of Khan movie, Star Trek II, first came out. And a couple of weeks after that, or for several months before that, we were all kind of excited and curious. And, oh, Spock's going to die? And the controversy about that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. In, in those days, you know, the big Bible pre-internet that you kept up with a lot of your sci-fi news was, on, at least publicly, if you weren't on some little niche mailing list, was Starlog Magazine. Yep, and, exactly. And lo and behold, one month or two, here come these full-page ads in Starlog about this convention, or it looked like a convention, called Ultimate Fantasy in Houston. And they were going to have the entire cast, as it turned out, not Leonard Nimoy, but everybody else, plus Merritt Buttrick and Kirstie Alley, who were in the new movie, and Harv Bennett, who was the producer, and you know Mark Leonard, who wasn't in the movie, but you know Sarek and Spock's father and close to the – Trek family, and Carrie O'Quinn, who was the Starlog publisher, and it was going to be, and oh my God, and they called it Ultimate Fantasy because they'd never had a whole cast on, on stage before. So anyway, that was very big and cool, and two or three of my friends and I made that our first big road trip convention, and it was like you know eight or ten hour drive, and you could get packages. And all. Anyway, I, it was my memory. We got there, the thing melted down. There weren't eighteen thousand people in the NBA basketball Houston Rockets arena for three shows. There were like eight hundred people, and the hotel was kicking people out of their rooms because they hadn't been paid on the package tour rooms. You had a reservation, but nobody had paid. You know, the convention had. So there was all this chaos and insanity, and and we did go to the show. They did go through with the show, and you had like eight hundred people sitting on the floor benches in this empty tomb of a. <laughs> of a basketball arena, yeah, uh, you know, rock, you know, rock concert arena, and uh, but you saw everybody, and they went on with it. And the next day, you know, my buddies and I all said, "Well, this is ridiculous. It's all falling apart." And we went down to Galveston and saw the ocean, and you know, skipped out on it. Went back, and I took pictures, and I didn't think much about it except it was one of those, you know, tales of yore yeah. stuck back. And then two years ago, I ran into a guy at a party, uh, an after party at our at our my hometown convention back in Oklahoma City, SoonerCon. Uh, Bill Parker and I hear him talking across the room. I said, "Wait, wait, wait! You're talking about you're talking about Ultimate Fantasy over there." And he says, "Yeah, I was the tech director for the stage." And I went, "Oh my god!" And I knew there'd been a story in Starlog a few months later about what but, sort about of the, about, happened, about the right? whole debacle. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. Now, 
Just long story short, I promise, is that at that weekend I had light bulbs going off my head when I talked to him. Those those few seconds, I thought, oh my god, this needs to be recorded. I need to interview him and everybody, because he said nine tenths the people that worked it in the inner crew were still in Houston. And then I thought, huh, no, Larry, okay. that's so eighties. You don't do that. You get them on film now. We'll have an archive. And I thought, my god, the most of the cast would talk to me. The guys here in Houston would. There were fans and dealers. I was there. This could this could hang together as a documentary and have a very you know human element to it. I think, and but I this needs to be recorded for posterity because people say well there have been other conventions that fell apart yeah but not my my pitches they're not nothing this big and this grandiose and 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 not for three shows you know in an arena yeah you know not just well you had so like many it. of the you know of the cast there you had it, it it right around it was just shortly after the release of the movie right is that the time yeah it was frame? like two weeks this was late this was late june right so it was just after and wrath, wrath of khan, khan came, came out which which was you know has been you know even when it was first out was was pretty much considered you know hey this is the star trek movie that we want we love it and you know so you have this big convention a couple of weeks later and it yeah. turns into this just complete <laughs> mess, basically, and disaster. Well, and it was well, it was kind of like The Walking Dead. It was kind of like a some of the kids called it, the, you know, glorious. I mean, the the staff were calling it, you know, in hindsight, a glorious failure because it it fell apart in so many ways, but it did go on. And and exactly why that happened and all that is up to rumor and mystery. And you know, all the guy, the promoter, you know, skipped town with all the money, went to Mexico, and blah, which is not true. But there's been a lore that came out of that, and if you were there or if you were around, then you heard about it. But the other thing is, you know, a lot of people haven't. It's it's been 30 years now, and and yeah, you know, pass by. Well, and part of this is to preserve it, but also it's 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 also a golden time because it was back when the there'd been one movie, people were people had loved it, but there just felt like something lacking, and Rathacon gave that back to everybody. Yeah. And and it was a time of you know like Scotty says no bloody A B C D you know it was yeah. one cast. And well, Star Trek was those those eight nine ten faces. Yeah, and before we we kind of started officially recording, we chatted for a few minutes, you know, and I told you I've gone to conventions for a long time, and the the early conventions, even when they didn't quite quite come off as well, I I, I miss those days. I think one of the great things about what this project is that you're doing here is. Uh, a current, you know, generation of fans that have only gone to like creation cons or, or more recent things, or even Comic Con and other places like that, they're they're a business. You know, they've become very, you know, this is what we do. But in the early, it was it was grassroots people, just kind of like, hey, let's do a Star Trek con. Let's let's call up, you know, the cast and see if we who we can get, and let's put up something somewhere where we can get people to buy tickets and. It was real see the pants kind of stuff, you know, and obviously oh, yeah. that is probably part of what went on here. But it wasn't just a big. I mean, you have now companies that that's just what they do, you know. But that that wasn't the case so much back then at all. Well, I mean, and there were you know, creation had been around six or seven years. They were building, but but and there were people that were looking at it starting as a business, to but right you're right. right. You're, you're, in fact, I mean, look at this. The, the you know, sci-fi cons had been around since first fandom in the '30s. You know, you had Worldcon, and that was about it. And then you had some maybe back east in the population center, you know, New York and Philly and around there. But um, set the '70s were the age, thanks to Star Trek and Star Wars, when sci-fi cons and media cons really kind of exploded, right? Yeah. But yep. the very the very first the very first Star Trek convention by itself was in '72, '73 there in New York. The famous, you know, the committee. 
uh, New York cons that started all this stuff yep. on the Star yep. Trek. So you're talking about '82. This is this is only 18 years after the initial all Star Trek cons even. And had. it wasn't like there were you know 20 conventions every year during that time either. You were lucky if there was one or two or something like that. And certainly yeah, not yeah. in in small little cities and 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 you know a uh, little fan club that would get together and hey let's have a con and bring a few people in or whatever so yeah or you had them or you had people start one and then you never heard from them again because they didn't i mean yeah the the earn it, the the cool grassrootsy fans fanziness has its ups and downsides and one of that yes, is it does yeah. shirts and you know but if they had a business sense even if it was a success it's a lot of work and you had to have a lot of you know grit and determination a not to not to not to be so starry-eyed <laughs> that you you know lost your shirt or you just you know flopped miserably and had to be embarrassed in front of some actor if they were if they were yeah there to go for you. Well, it's and, a, bu- and it's then, a business you have to sort of look at it. Yeah. You even come back the next year and go again. Now you know that said these these days there's still some really good fanish you know shore leave and farpoint in Baltimore and yeah. and even yeah. though they're back by a company the Starland Cons in Denver yeah um, and I'll probably be shot for some other ones. A lot of the comic cons that are growing in different cities still have a, a real fanish feel to them. Although since yeah. San Diego's gotten so huge, it's kind of spilled over. And we have and one that we have in Michigan each year in, in May that set a pretty big convention center that does pretty well. They, they usually bring in a couple of Star Trek celebs along with a whole bunch of others. And it's, it's a pretty big convention and it's uh but the, I think some of those cons you just mentioned, like surely even those, they, they've had some experience at least. They, yeah, well, you know, they've, they've got a track record and people right. kind of... So they learn from each year. They do yeah. it a little better, a little different. So that's, you know, where this, the, the con of wrath, you know, they were just, um, you know, in over their heads, to to say the least, I think. Well, it, in a lot of ways they were. In some ways they were, but in some ways they weren't. And that's what we're getting into is like, yeah. well, what happened? And was there... Yeah. And the the crew that did... These were all... These are They were kids in their 20s. I say kids now. They were in their 20s. They were out of school and they had different backgrounds in audio and tech, and, and, and they had all been on the con scene. They had all worked on, you know, the way there's kind of an unofficial, uh, gr- you know, seasoning of the process where people that are really yeah. interested in con running, you know, have the ambition. They kind of get in and work their way up in the local groups or groups. And these guys had all been through that, and they'd done two or three or four conventions. So, you know, various experience. Some of them were lesser than and more experienced in other ways. But it wasn't a factor of uh, you know the, the convention, the Houston Con Annual Convention that Ultimate Fantasy was attached to, did just fine. Except for they were pulling you know they were pulling money out of it to go feed the the beast for Ultimate Fantasy on site. But it 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 functioned along just fine. It was this, and and there was some sabotaging apparently. Now there for some reason, if you called to see about tickets, you were told that it was a sellout the last month or two when it clearly wasn't. So we're we're kind of getting, as I've said, we we started working on this about a year ago. It's mm-hmm. not a full time thing at all. I've got a cameraman and an editor that heard heard me talk about this because to me the whole thing is we're talking about the meltdown. But the fact that it even happened at all, and you know, I'm calling it the meltdown to miracle or the riches to rags to riches story, which is kind of simplistic, but you know, you need a tagline. Yeah. Um, the fact that it happened at all, and the fact that. You know that there was still a fan and actor connection, and all the guy you know, Harv and all the people from LA decided to stay and make it go. And, you know, it's like would this happen? I mean, there was FedCon USA a few years ago. I know there's been there's been a Firefly convention, there's been a Torchwood convention that were kind of uh, fabulous flops, and and people hung around a few hours to make it go and make it worthwhile. And the dealers sold a little bit, and it wasn't a total waste. But we're talking about on Friday they knew this thing was going to melt down, 
and they went ahead and stuck it out through Sunday. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. kind it's, of amazing. I remember the, the uh, I remember at the time, yeah, I, I you know, I was a avid like you said earlier, Starlog was one of the few and you know, places you could find out information and I remember seeing, you know, it, this this going to happen and I was like, "Oh, can I get down there? Can I get to it?" And I didn't and then I remember hearing about what had happened. I think there were even news reports and stuff popping out, you know, in places. There was local news, and we've gotten yeah. a whole the local news reports but for that. The, uh, and then, uh, then uh, you know, reading about it, I'm like, you know, the funny thing about it, Larry, is after I read about what happened, I wished I had still been there, <laughs> which is, <laughs> it, it may sound strange, I don't know, but I no, like things sometimes when things like that happen. You know, that's you'll always remember it, you know. And I know yeah. one, of, one yeah. of the things that you are trying to do here is reaching anyone that, you know, is out there that went to this convention that was there. Two things are going on with it. Now, I said we're filming in a little, it's not like we've got a three-month shoot window because this is a documentary. So we're getting people, you know, reminiscence. And and if you go to the site, conofrath.com, I I need to freshen this, but we have a sneak peek. I stopped calling it a trailer because it, it doesn't have, you know, a sizzle scene in it or whatever. I watched yeah. that earlier today, right? You had uh, Walter Koenig on there and Harv uh-huh. Bennett, right? And Harv yeah. Bennett. Um, Harv is still doing fine, but we were his last interview, and we talked about this in Star Trek and some of his other projects, too, so I was very thankful to, to do that. Um, and since then, we've talked... I mean, I'm, I'm going down the list of everybody that was there. The next one I got to was Wendy Doohan, who's Jimmy's widow, who was there. And she was great. And we just talked to uh, Carrie O'Quinn, who was the MC for the show, who you know were founded and started Starlog and Fangoria. And, and he's a he's a he's from Texas, right? If I remember yeah, right, yeah, he's from Austin. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you know, lived in New York for years, and now he lives in LA. Uh, so he was coming home, and it, his stories were really funny. Uh, but so we're we're only about a fourth of the way through this. So I'm doing two things. I'm not using Kickstarter or Indiegogo or anything like that, but I'm using PayPal donation to make it secure for people, but we've got like levels of giving. And uh, I just had a special last weekend. We're kind of getting our spring weekend shoots set up. Um, so I was going back to that again. And, you know, you can donate 10 or 20 or 50, 100, whatever, you know, up upwards and get some thank you swag back when we're done. And everyone has screen credit, so there's that for people. And the other thing is, and I really would be thrilled if everybody could go over. Of course, you can like our, we have a Con of Wrath facebook page um you know check all that out and the other thing we're doing is and i have to finalize this but just be ready to hear it when you hear about it uh if you if you you know like the page you'll hear uh, we're gonna we're soliciting memory we don't have the you know budget and time and detective work to run around the country and find all the survivors mm-hmm. yeah uh, so we're gonna solicit people submit you know sit down with your home camera and and tell me your story were you a survivor were you there that weekend in Houston in June 82. Did you survive the Con of Wrath? And, and tell me your story and your memories and your brushes with the stars then. And, you know, but you could see the actors at a lot of conventions. It, I'm looking especially for things that were unique to that weekend, especially yeah. your brushes with everything falling apart. <laughs> yeah. And, and how you, what you tried to do or couldn't do or what you made do, what you duct taped and bailing wired together for yourself. Were you in the crowd that got thrown out of your hotel room? You know, were you in the crowd that was in the homeless – we call it the homeless village because there were dozens and dozens of people that were either thrown out of their hotel room Friday morning or they weren't allowed to check in when the hotel freaked. Yeah. And uh, 
and and do you have pictures and do you have any mementos now i've we've got the program book we we finally had someone send me a, a one picture of the the uh, kicked out of your room letter that they slid under the door for people. Wow, that's a that's a rare thing to still yeah. have around. I thought I saved everything. Wow, that's uh That's well see we were trying to check in on Friday so we weren't there and, and had that. So anybody I'm looking for all kinds of anything like that. And again, we'll we'll get the word out. I'm I'm trying to figure out the best way. You know, it may just be through a private YouTube channel, but we're we're wanting mm-hmm. to I've had just at the conventions I've been to, like uh, Comic Con and, and Trek Vegas and and uh, Orlando's uh, Vulcan uh, events show last whatever last uh, fall, uh, I've had people come up and find me, and I've had fans, and some of them I remember their names from you know like Interstat in the '80s and '90s have come up to me with pictures. I've yet to find you know it was 1982, so you had to be you know well off or a real tech head for any footage, to, uh, yeah, yeah, for having any footage. So um, was there any local news crews there at all during the during the whole oh, situation? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. so got, the, their footage a, maybe from some of that some of yeah. that, uh, that one of the guys at the time had had you know they had the PR services that do clips for you and he still has his yeah. tape that they had commissioned of all the local news because they did they were pulling their own little uh well, that would have been a pretty big books. story at the time, you know, not yeah, only, they, you know, in fact, one of the guys who was the head of the convention on the ground had a had a lo- very prominent local reporter chasing him around the grounds all day trying to get him to talk and you know trying to make scare it into a huge scandal and he was just kind of keep his head above water and she was trying to play, you know, Mike Wallace and Morley Safer or something yeah, Cronkite. Yeah. And, and Can you comment on what happened to the you know the the, the convention? Why yeah, is everyone yeah. here in the lobby? What is going on? Well, exactly, they showed up with all those people in their luggage yeah. sitting in the lobby. So yeah, you know they had great pictures, as they say in TV news. So anyway, we're looking for that, and 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 like I said, I have to nail down the channel for it. I'm I'm looking to try to get this done in like I said, not it's not a you know three month shoot, but I'm trying to keep it to maybe a two year window, and we're about a fourth of the way through. We've got a lot of stuff to do this year. Yeah. Yeah, both of the venues have changed. The summit itself is now a mega church, <laughs> and um, and the convention center because it was in two different spots. Actually, the regular convention was next to the old Shamrock Hilton, right? And the hotel is gone, but the convention center is still there and used. And both of them have granted us, um, you know, just just to do walk and talk, have people in front telling a story, and we can, it, you know, it's so it's not just all sitting down memory stuff. And then we've got original footage from the show. We're trying to work on the news uh, camera bits, and we're talking about either having some animation or having some recreation because there were some insane stories that happened as these kids that had been like without sleep for. It was crazy enough just trying to put a show this ambitious together. Yeah, they were going to do it, but they were, you know. So is your ultimate? Uh, are you ultimately trying to? Would you? Would you be probably going like a direct to DVD release, or, or what? You what's your ultimate plan? Well, at once least you, that. I mean, yeah. I want to do some festivals. I'd li- love to do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we, you know, get on with another with a, a, another label. Um, I it, my first guess was I just I mean, my first blush was I just wanted to a get people on film, especially some of the older people. And B, uh, I wanted to see what the locals in Houston were like. I didn't want if I had eight vanilla people, then I'm dead. And thankfully, you know, being in Texas and being in Houston, and being yeah. with fans at one point in their life, if not still, uh, they're all a bunch of colorful characters. And I say that lovingly. So, yeah, uh, I, I can believe that. So. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty. Sad. And here's the thing: I wanted this not just to be something for the Trek circuit, but something that had a real human element to it. Because it is there's a human side to this about the kids that dreamed this, and because they were they 
they were already talking and signing up to, to take it on the road. This is going to be a huge hit. They were a sellout in Houston, and they were going to go to New York and L.A. and Chicago and Vegas, and they had the actors ready to you know jump with them, and Ricardo Monobon was going to jump in, and Leonard was going to get involved. Yeah, that's that was the time where they they thought they were, uh, or or in a way they patterned it after like uh, you're you're, uh, you're in a music group, you're a rock star, so we're gonna tour, we're gonna we're gonna tour the country with this sort of same ensemble of people and and, and guests and things in format because it, it, the show was a revolving the actual show they had built a Delta Shield or a, you know an Arrowhead a, a original series Starfleet patch Enterprise patch. And the shape of a revolving stage, and there was a captain's chair built that actually ran all the tech of the whole stage, which is amazing. And the interviewer, you know, Carrie O'Quinn sat in that, and they had a start. They had a talk show segment where everybody came out one by one, uh, a la Tonight Show, and sat and talked, and stayed on. And Michelle sang, and they were going to have an orchestra. And they, had, the part of the show later after the talk show was a laser show. And Walter had written this one-act play where they were kind of Star Trekish characters, but they weren't, and they. And instead of wearing, you know, like license their uniforms, they wore these silver jumpsuits. And yeah. and then Shatner had all he did the whole day, the whole evening performance, the two-hour, three-hour show, was he came in at the end and had his one hour at the end. Yeah. But he was still there, and you and it was a lot of people still first time to see him around the country. Yeah, I was going to say that you know having more of a production like that it re- again reminds me of some of the earlier conventions where there'd be sort of these. You know, come back on Saturday night for the stage show performance with, uh, you know, Rene Aubergenois or someone else with him talking, you know, maybe John Delancey. The, those guys used to do that kind of stuff a lot. And, yeah, well, see, know, but that's Rather than good. just a Q&A, they come out there for yeah. do their 15 minutes or half hour and then they're gone, boom, done. Uh, and see, that, that whole thing has only been around about 10 years. That whole come back and do an evening show and the, yeah. And the- yeah. They loves it because they get to perform a little. They're not just doing their, their Q&A and sign autographs. Do something and, new. Do something a little yeah. beyond Star That's Trek. That's been around about 10 years. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dave Scott and Slanted Fedora started doing that, and his company's long gone, but Creation and other people have picked up yeah, on Yeah, I was that. at a Slanted Fedora. I think I've gone to a couple of theirs when they were doing those. Yeah. yeah. That's I, only been I, a I like that. The multiple series and multiple casts starting to pile up, and all those bodies are out there now. So, <laughs> yeah, without giving see. the whole show away, part of it I want yeah. to get to is re, you know tell the story for the you know anyone that is not familiar with it because it is kind of put it in context, and also the human level of these people that did it and the actors too, but the the Houston guys. There's yeah. one that's in Seattle now, but everybody else is still pretty much down there. And about you know being twenty, and they're in their they're all in their forties and fifties, and looking back, and some of them are older, and the ones that are no longer around, who, you know, there are one or two that that lost their business and home because of the the they're not around, and they passed on. But yeah, there was it a sounds, thing, uh, and, and the way they look back at this, and have they stayed fans or not, and and it's just a, I think it's just unfolding. Like I said, I was holding my breath at the beginning. If nothing else, I'd have a lot of archival film interviews. But I really think it's going to hold together as a as a as a human thing that'll appeal to a lot of people. So I, I you know I hope everybody gets excited. Just the fact that we're going to take a couple years to put it together. I don't want anybody to get cold feet about that. And I'm just now starting to ramp up on you know looking for some bigger financing. So yeah, no, it sounds like a great thing. And I, we're I doing just, it very moderately. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. being obviously a big fan of Trek and and other sci-fi and things, I love it when there are things that are finally kind of documented. And, and there's so much, like I said, just, you know, information out there that could just be collected. You know, people love the Internet and, and think it's got everything on there. My son has one of my sons has this saying, 
if you can't find it on the internet, you're not looking hard enough, you know, but there's not everything out there, you know, there's, there's little bits of things and you, and there's also the, the matter of what you're doing is collecting it, you know, putting it in a, in a form that, that people will enjoy watching, you know, rather than just like, oh, look, here's two and a half minutes of silent black and white footage on YouTube at this con down in Texas and when it fell apart and, you know, or whatever, you know, that's not quite the same thing. You know, yeah, just, not the experience. No. Well, you're talking about what your what your kids were saying about the internet. I mean, I'm the same way about a bigger thing of history because it's for a long time it was like, well, if it didn't exist, if it existed before photography, it didn't exist. Yeah. You know, oh, we only have a painting of it. <laughs> That's just you know? a black hole of time. Yeah, there was no yeah. nothing and then, there. Then it became, you know, but each but we've come so far since. Then it became well, if it if it if it happened before motion pictures, if it happened before the moving camera, it didn't exist. You know, and then it became oh well, if it if it existed before there was sound with it, it didn't exist. It didn't happen. Yeah. And now it's well, if it didn't happen, if it happened in black and white only, it didn't really happen. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, but let's sell the color footage of World War Two. Let's <laughs> let's get the color footage of John F. Kennedy. Or if it's not, let's colorize it. You know, or yeah. do something well, to it. Yeah. 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 And, it, you know, and and um, and uh, 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 Burns. The documentarian did a great job on like the Civil War and making that make, making that's why that was so amazing is make those pictures and diaries come alive for, for people yeah and make it you know trick their ADD brain movie video in two seconds cultured brain into being excited about this and making it come alive so you know things move so fast now now it's like oh well that's in like old seventies footage film uh, we, you know uh, eight millimeter or sixteen millimeter. we need it in HD before it really happened now. Now I wanted to uh, ask you, uh, yeah, there, yeah, it's it's amazing how much tech has changed in the last you know ten twenty years. It's it's crazy. You know, everyone's walking around with a basically in their pocket more tech right. more tech than we had twenty years ago in, in a whole room. So uh, it's it's amazing. So as as someone who's written thousands of words, and as I go back through even some of my stuff, and I'm scanning like articles I wrote because I did some some Trek things that my paper wrote in Norman, the Norman transcript that were picked up by AP. And even then it like it seems so feeble. That was such a big thing at the time. And just to have a clipping of a news article now, unless you're talking about, you know, the Middle Ages, <laughs> it seems so so that's why in my head I thought, no, you can't just interview these people on audio anymore. And I've got all my like I said, I've got fifteen years of I've got hundreds and hundreds of hours of talks with those guys. Well that's all valuable. But it's it's so in my head. No, get it on camera. Get it on camera. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff. If you you know a lot of audio, just on a, a side note or whatever, that I'd be thinking if I were you. You know, I don't know. Maybe you already have, but you know, places like Audible.com, and I know there's all kinds of probably permissions and contracts and rights involved. But if it's just audio stuff, it would be great if if some of that was out there available. You know, that way. You know, instead of having you know using that, you're doing video now for this film. But you know, audio interviews with people. You know, from the past, would be great to hear on something like that. I don't know how that, what that. Yeah, takes. I, well, I'm I'm going to see about harnessing it. You know, from my site and, and you know my kind of like my catalog. But one thing, I mean, a lot of it has never even been trans. Three fourths has never been transcribed. So you know. Hey, I, I wanted to ask again. The you mentioned the, the Con of Wrath website, oh. conofwrath.com, correct? And right. is that you also mentioned? You know, you've got these uh, filming things and you're visiting conventions and stuff. Is the Con of Wrath kind of the the, the main place for people to go to find out, hey, I was at that thing and I want to meet up with Larry. Where, how would I find out how to, you know, where you were going to be? Are you going to be at Comic Con and stuff like that? Well, right. Well, I do have my, my name site, com, 
and the Con of Wrath actually is a page, a couple of pages there. So if okay. you're at theconofwrath.com, you'll you'll kind of be in the environment to get back to me. But yeah, LarryNemechek.com. Um, I have my blog is called Trekland, and it has its own you know page. But you can go to treklandblog.com, okay, or go to my good. homepage and see the uh, see the uh, portal and go there. And I've got some archives put up. Um, I uh, that's the main thing. And I have my calendar, but yeah, to to say that uh, WonderCon this year in, in Anaheim, the city of San Francisco. And that's fairly uh, soon, isn't it? Is that fairly yeah, soon? Yeah, that's in two weeks. Yeah, okay. We're talking about March. That'll be March. Um, seven. I have a panel. It's one of the Comic Cons where you have to submit an idea. So I've got the seven o'clock Saturday night panel. I'm going to do my Trekland show, or I call it the Between the Cracks, where I pull you know a lot of my own photography and stories out. I'll talk about the Con of Wrath and something else that we just announced this week too. But I'm going to be there, and then at Seattle for Emerald City. Uh, the weekend of the 30, 31st, and April 1st, no fool. Um, and I have a panel. Um, I'm going to lead a forum discussion at um, at the 1st. Um, I hate to do this. Um, That's okay. Can we take a break? Yeah, I yeah. We'll take a break, and company. we'll be okay, back in a on. moment. Okay. Hi. This is Harv Bennett, and I survived the Con of Wrath. immediate convention uh, after the success of uh, the Wrath of Khan was the Houston Convention, later nicknamed the Khan of Wrath. It was, in many ways, the worst possible way to learn about Star Trek conventions. I think it was that Friday night, I might be wrong, it might have been a Thursday, but I think it was a Friday night. We, uh, we were all introduced um, in, in, I think it was the dealer's room and they had a big table set up and we, you know, we spoke glowingly about this whole operation. Well, they didn't have rooms. They were locked out. Nobody had paid for the rooms and they had sent their money in advance. When I walked into the hotel lobby in Houston, DeForest Kelly, his face ashen white, Bones. Bones is coming up to me and saying, you've got to save us. I said, Bones, DeForest, what do you mean? we got to do something or it's all over in Star Trek, all over. Actually, a couple of the actors said they would not perform. They would not go on unless they got their money now because we knew there was going to be a problem. Somebody gave me a bullhorn. Somebody at the Shamrock said, here, you... We don't have a mic set up, use a bullhorn. Well, in this case, it was people who were fans and dealers and actors, everybody coming together and working together. Um, I thought that was great. And so, as I say, even though uh, we didn't, it didn't do well financially, and some people really took a bath, you know, were really hurt, um, it was, on this other level, you know, a very a very uh, warm and uh, pleasant memory. So where were we, Larry? Go ahead. About 15 yeah. Um, the conventions. Anyway, no, I've got for the year after WonderCon and Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. Uh, I know we'll be back at Vegas Trek, and I'll be doing two or three things there. And uh, 
probably I will have a table at least at uh, at Comic Con in San Diego for a couple of days. Hopefully, have a panel there again. I've got two little cons coming up, <laughs> two different conventions in Lake Charles, Louisiana, CypherCon, and later BayouCon three or four. And my hometown, SoonerCon, they had me come back in Oklahoma City. That'll be in early June. And two or three more that are in process. Uh, I'd like to, I'm hoping to get back to Orlando this year. But I don't, have, I don't get back up. I haven't been to Michigan. I've got some friends that, uh, around Detroit that have, have a club that I've got a connection to. But I've never been up to Michigan. I never got to any of the Media West cons when those were going. But, um, yeah, we used to anybody... have uh, uh, we used to have quite a few conventions actually, that, and, and some smaller yeah. ones and some bigger ones. Creation used to have a pretty regular convention at least once a year here, and it's pretty much dwindled in its its uh, tumbleweeds and things now. So, you know, they their Toronto is not too far away. They have cons up there. There's uh, yep. a, quite a few cons in Ohio. Uh, that you know it's close by but yeah michigan and the convention like i said we have our annual comic con that we do in may here and they'll bring in you know celebrities there and then and i i was um i'd also shoot over to chicago too which isn't too far and i was living over that way for a while and they have you know chicago area has uh, quite a few big cons over there so yeah well i i'd done IndyCon in indianapolis a couple of times but yeah. really the upper yeah. midwest i haven't been to so if anybody's you know, in the region, I'd love to come. I, you know, I've listened on an actor. I've, I've, I tell the stories, and I've tried to be more. Uh, you know, I, I just say I bring my Trekland show. I've got, I, I had a front row seat to the business for 18 years here in in Burbank, and yeah. uh, after we moved, my wife worked on Voyager for five years. She, she used to do conventions with me a lot when the shows were going, and uh, we. So you sold think our they're going to ever manage? You think CBS? You think they're ever going to manage to get another series on the air? What do you think? Oh, it'll, it'll happen. I, I shouldn't oh, say whole... ever, but do you think it'll be what if you had to put it into a time frame, one year, two, three, five, well, here's ten? Here's the thing, Rico. We yeah. could do a whole show just on this. Yeah, and, just and shoot I've, I've me a, your your gut that. feeling. What you think? Well, it all it all it all revolves around the movies now because right now. Bad Robot has a deal to keep any TV off the air, any Star Trek TV off the air. Oh, okay. Even if I mean they're paying CBS not to. I mean, part of that was to solidify the movie base. But the movies are only going to go three, maybe four, and now they're stretching out to four years in between because everyone's gotten so busy that's connected to it. Yeah. So at some point, we used to, we sit around and talk about, you know, maybe between. After this one, maybe, maybe after the third one, maybe if they add a fourth movie to the three movie deal, they feel like negotiating for that because these people are all on movie salary terms, you know. Sure. At some yeah. point, of course, there'll be a TV series some sometime, like you yeah. said. How soon it's back, and then the other question is, where does it go? Does it does it compete on network? Do, do they put it on a cable net? Do you know? Because CBS has it, but they could put if they keep it in the family. Would I've got a very good friend in the industry that thinks it'd be perfect on Showtime and run the you know the HBO model of having a short season and yeah, more twelve days. episodes, something like that. Yeah. You know, Game of and, Thrones you know, style. If you want to have yeah. a little nudity? You want to get some really you know gore and violence? You can do that and not worry about the, you know, the ratings on the. Uh, and it has yeah. a more of a cachet to it. Oh, it's a, it's a premium channel show. So they're I think be there's a, little... a lot of people out there that uh, you know, of course, would like it to happen. But I think there's a lot of people out there that didn't realize, even like you said in '94, so much Trek and it continued and continued and and it was maybe a little overload for a while there but i think a lot of people at in 2005 didn't realize when enterprise ended that this is going to be it for for quite a while <laughs> well i tried so, i tried yeah. to tell them 
But yeah. the other thing, it's funny, yeah. you know, the, 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 there's, there's the fandom world and the fandom, even the fandom industry, fan, you know, the Trek-related industry, and then there's mainstream. And the meme that we had franchise fatigue was what soaked into, and you could see it. You could see people that looked at Nielsen numbers could yeah. see that it, and the box office for Nemesis could see that it was dropping. But what were the reasons for that? And yeah. everybody that thinks that the next Star Trek will be like the last – I mean, J.J. did a wonderful job with the movie, the production value, what you saw on screen. But, you know, we make the mistake a lot of times of judging the next thing by the last. They say, you know, people try to fight the next war starting off how they fought the last war. Well, that's to a, a little degree, bit yeah. Way, yeah. It's a little bit the way you think of it. A different producer. Now, they'll be good and bad. Are they true to Gene and the philosophy and the vision and the continuity and the canon or not? And yeah. that's the yeah. thing. But There's the way a lot it's presented to... – is will make all the difference. So people shouldn't think backwards and think, oh, that's what the next one will be like. So I think really what was happening, I've always thought that it wasn't so much just Star Trek fatigue. I think because of things like the internet and other forms of entertainment, video games, and, and I think people's attention, you know, you look at the ratings and numbers that even TV these days gets, there's divided attention. It started five, ten years ago with the internet really being, you know, another place, you know, my kids, for example, they spend much more time doing things online on the internet and on their computers than they do sitting down and watching a, a sixty minute TV show. So oh yeah, they're pre they're predicting the end of network TV within five. Years. Right, exactly. So you know, something. Itself. So this some, is all a moot point. By the time these movies yep. run their course, we may be in a. I keep saying they just need to make it a la carte and have a little app for it. Hey, you want Star Trek episodes? That'll cost you, you know, uh, nineteen ninety five or thirty nine ninety five for the season. Click here and bang, you know, or whatever, and have that go on for a year or so before they start production and and see how it goes. You know, something like that, but. But anyway, and, and all the people that and all the people that poo pooed the enterprise, you know, it didn't work. But all those people that were trying to raise money to save Enterprise for another season, and people were laughing at that. How how far away is that from what you just said? It's not. It's not that far. And I think that they the old, you know, and they, this gets talked about on a lot of different podcasts that I listen to and on the news and a lot of different areas. They have to sort of just rethink a little bit of the way they do things, and you don't want to keep making and doing it the same way because that's not the way people are right now so hey i wanted to ask you what we talked earlier there was one other uh topic one other project that you wanted to talk about oh, and mention yes. and i didn't want to overlook that before we finished up here so yeah, why don't no, you tell I, everyone I, I to, like said, this is a little bit uh, uh also a fan kind of related thing but i think there's a lot of people that would be interested so so go ahead the other project yeah the other project and, and thank you for doing that like i said we could talk all day on all these tangents yes exactly. no, i'm really excited about this because it dovetails with something i was doing already we just announced in the last week um Geek Nation Tours is a guy named uh, Terrace Cassidy who's up in uh, Alberta, Canada, and he has a travel agency. He does, aside from his regular travel business, he started three or four years ago doing uh, interest tours that he called Geek Nation Tours. And not even just sci-fi. He's had military uh, historians, uh, you know, war gamers, live action war gaming people, historians. Um, Mm -hmm. Gaming, just regular gaming, and he's done specialty tours to either historic sites, or he's put together tours that went to like Gen Con and some of the big gaming conventions and some of the, you know, major interest bits. He's gone to castles in the UK and Scotland and had a oh, tours. That's great. Uh, oh yeah, and they've been to Germany. Um, so he's doing something he, for geeks now, or he wants to uh, start a, a geek uh, tour. Yeah, and he's it's a geek very broadly defined. Yes, since geek is is you know it's cool to be a geek now. Where yes, it is. It is finally cool to be a geek. It's you you market to this now. Anyway, he is himself, 
and uh, you can go to his website, geeknationtours.com. And he approached me last year at Vegas about doing a Trek uh, film site tour. And we're starting with kind of a small version where we start in L.A., but it's, it's piggybacked into the Vegas convention in August. So basically, you, it, which starts on Thursday. So you land in L.A. the Saturday before, and we have three or four days around L.A. and a couple of days on the road, and we wind up in Vegas. And then his package includes your hotel at the Rio uh, there where the hotel, where the convention is. So you're on your own to get your, your convention um, rate. And we're actually working on a deal with Creation to have a discount for admission. But that's we'll announce that pretty soon. Okay. Uh, maybe by the time this is out Wednesday, that'll be finalized. That's how fast this is moving. But And they've been very supportive. Adam and Gary have been really supportive for this as, they've, they, as they have been for me for years. Uh, and I'll be back doing my same old stuff and doing evening things. My my Trekland will sponsor some things at night if for people that, you know, that get shut out of they can't get into some of the creation events. So some of the but but this places, tour yeah the we're tour going places to to, yeah yeah we're going to go to the famous sites and also the obscure ones. We're going to go to Vasquez Rocks and not only be there but have Bobby Clark who you can see at conventions who was inside the Gorn suit was, was loves fans was a great stuntman performer actor for years and loves going to conventions now. But how many people get to be at Vasquez Rocks with Bobby there to walk around and talk about the filming? So that'll be one of our highlights. But we're, we're going to do a Paramount tour, but I'll be there so you won't just get the bread and butter Paramount tour. You'll get the, the, the Star Trek, you know, because that's, that's the heart and soul of Trekland is really Paramount to begin with. Not now, but, you know, it was the original series and yeah. all the way up to the first movie. And then out at, at – um, uh, we're going to go not just straight up to Vegas for people that know the geography. We're not just going to head up I-15. We're going to go up north along the backside of the Sierras to make two or three stops, go to the Trona Pinnacles where they, where they filmed Star Trek V. We're going to go up to Lone Pine. We're intending to see Kirk's Cabin from Generations. We're going to see a, a few filming sites from up that way. And, and then back here in L.A. to start off with, we're going to get out to Santa Monica, the pier. We're going to um, – well, we've got a couple things we're still, we're still hedging at, but it's yeah. all on site. If you go to um, geeknationtours.com or if you go to uh, my blog, trekland.com, the la- one of the last couple of entries is uh, about this. But the tour is called Exploring Trek Sites, Hollywood to Vegas with Larry Nemechek. Well, that's and, a great uh, thing. I, I, uh, I think um, we were talking earlier, they've done that with some other properties, but this is this is fairly unique that I, that I know of. I mean, they're, you know, sometimes you go around Hollywood, especially for films and TV shows that are in the area, and you can take some kind of a tour, but the, but the the locations that you're going to are, you know, so identified with some of the, you know, different scenes and track and the movies and in the shows. It's uh I think that'd be wonderful for people to see. I think they yeah, the hard, uh, they the hard thing kick. has been narrowing the list down. That's yeah, just, you know. <laughs> well, that's always yeah. That's like that's like any project. Like you're working on with the Con of Wrath, your your biggest task will be you've got all this stuff, and now like how do we put it together into a nice format, and and what gets cut, what doesn't, you know, what makes it, what doesn't. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's always hard. <laughs> it's we're gonna try to go. We're gonna try to go to both Starfleet academies. And if you're up with your filming sites, you may know. We're going to try to go to both the, the library at uh, Dorthridge, which was in J.J.'s movie, and also Tillman Water Plant in the Japanese Garden, which was all through the TV era. That was Starfleet Academy. But um, the building they used for the facade. Yes. And the gardens yeah. out front. But, yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's been a thing of – because it wasn't – you know, because I've 
I've been researching location sites. I've got you know, plus had the interviews there by talking. Some of them are gravel pits, you know, and some of them are out on the filming ranches. So part of this has been, and, and I'm researching that for another project. So this is kind of dovetailing over. But part of this has been what will. It's not one or two people visiting. We've got a busload of, you know, at, at least fourteen. Uh, that's the other thing. We're gonna we're topping it off at thirty-five. Only one bus. No no wireless mic to the other guys on ah, the other buses. Okay. So, so that's get, if you're interested, definitely get signed up soon. Then I would think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we've got 35 seats, and we just announced it. So you know, jump in now and go to the sites. But it's been um, a challenge not only to, to to try to cover all the series and have something for everybody, and the movies too, but um, but have it be something that's producible for a busload of people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and human beings that still have, even though they're fans, they probably still have to, you know, eat and sleep, and hopefully, <laughs> I'm gonna make a. I almost made a really cheap geek joke there and said, and hopefully bathe. But anyway, yeah, um, that's all right. Now, <laughs> we, I come from we, the family. We so know we know from long time convention going and, and real fandom that that it, it it isn't quite like it's been portrayed sometimes in the news at all. Well, so. amen. And yes. you know, if you're able to travel and go to conventions and take tours, hopefully you're. You're not still in your. I always tell people go to go to a big football game sometime in a big old stadium and tell me look around and see the people and then oh, uh, and, and then I'll and pl- I'll plunk you a- down inside a a, a convention and, and tell me if there's really that much of a difference except maybe slightly different clothing and, and well here's and my thing go to the go to that football game at at uh, twenty degrees above zero <laughs> yeah and then go to the end zone and so you'll see all the bare belly painted you know yes. beer gut guys exactly. So, you yeah, know, it's it's topless. and that's you know what people love. That's what's and great. I love football great. too. So I can yeah, say. yeah, and it's uh you know it's great that people show that what they you know care about and that they have fun with it. But uh, yeah, we're not too different than anyone else. So uh, well, we should probably try to wrap this up a little bit. I, I was know. Gonna say, I was like, gonna say, Rico, it's so it's so amazing today. I hear they're even marketing with the word geek in the title. So oh yeah, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's the in thing. I mean, you know, you you it has so many multiple connotations these days too you know with computers and the internet and they you know there's a lot of people that that you know they'll they'll look at that and they they look at somebody um you know like mark zuckerberg you know he's basically a geek and he's a billionaire so i mean you know that's not so bad well the geeks that took over the world yeah exactly but uh you know i had before we started this and and we'd emailed a little bit and the you know i had i've seen your name and, and and you know like i said have have several of things that you've written and seen it pop up in various articles and things over the years so it was great to uh to sit down and actually talk to you a little bit today and we'll have to do it again sometime too and no, i love that yeah and and thanks for having me on it's been great too and i know we we both we both here can can talk on an even footing. I mean, I, I I don't have to hide anything from you, or <laughs> I can I can throw it out there, and you're snapping it right up. So yeah. I well, know, it's uh yeah it's I know you're you with know, me stride for I've uh, I've got uh, I think we've had very similar you know to a degree. I, I've obviously not been in, involved as, as much as you were, but I've watched it from slightly from the outside and stayed in touch with it and had. You know, those early days of dropping and, and wiring a little microphone, a little condenser mic from my tape recorder to the TV don't really seem sometimes that long ago, you know, from recording those original series episodes. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it was great talking to you. And uh, just hang on the, the, the line here. I'm just going to stop the actual real recording and then uh, I'll come back okay. and we can we can. Okay. chat informally well, for a couple more minutes but, but Rico uh, thanks for having me on and if everybody you know checks out uh, LarryNemechek.com or if that's too hard to spell the con of wrath 
or trecklandblog.com. Um, you know, like the Facebook page, get on my mailing list, and um, I'll it's, come see me at one of the shows this year. And um, yeah, I think we'll that'd be fantastic. Time. I know we've got a lot of listeners from all over the country, all over the world. Even I don't know if you get outside the country very often, but we've got quite a. Well, quite I've a, been to uh, actually I've been to Germany well, several times. We're trying to get back to the UK. Uh, yeah, we've got quite a few people, uh, uh, yeah. listeners of the show that are from the UK. That seems to be our other big chunk of uh, of listeners and fans. So it's. Uh, I've well, been guys, I, I, it's been, it's, we've been to the UK twice, and it's been about 10 years, so if anybody you know, has an in, have, have me come over. I'd love to yeah. bring the shows over and, and share stuff. Well, stand by, Larry. Great talking to you, and I appreciate it. Thanks now. again, Rico. Okay, thank yeah. you. A big thanks goes out to Larry Nemechek for taking so much time on Saturday, March the 3rd, when we recorded that over Skype. We chatted for a bit before the the podcast that you heard and after as well. Great guy and definitely plan on talking to him again sometime in the near future. Please check out his site to learn more about the Con of Wrath over at LarryNemechek.com. I'll have podcast notes up with links to that as well. It's L-A-R-R-Y-N-E-M. E-C-E-K.com, LarryNemechek.com. Great guy, great chat. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. Coming up uh, this weekend on Treks and Sci-Fi, I will be back with a TOS episode, Who Mourns for Adonis? A look at that uh, and much more coming up this weekend on Treks and Sci-Fi. Take care, everyone, and hope you enjoyed this special midweek edition of the show. Bye-bye. <laughs>